Hey friends, welcome back to the Living Truth Podcast. This is your host, Michael Carey, and this podcast is part two of a conversation that I had with Brian Mulder. If you did not get a chance to catch part one, um, this conversation, you can just jump right in and listen, but uh, I definitely suggest you go back and listen to part one if you missed that one a couple of weeks ago. What do you think was the biggest part, the biggest thing that helped you out in your journey? Yeah, other than just that idea of not being alone, of being with other people that get me, um, and and talking about things that that they're experiencing too, uh, that level of honesty and and being candid about things. When when my whole life I said this is stuff we don't talk about, all of a sudden this is stuff we talk about all the time, uh, was kind of the door to it, but. But for me, there were just principles that I learned that are, that are maybe, you know, typical twelve-step kinds of principles. But just the idea that, that surrender, right? That that I can't do this by myself, and I can't do it alone. Uh, the idea of just taking an inventory, writing a history, getting it all down on paper, of of learning to live in community, uh, learning learning terms just like sobriety when it applies to sexually acting out um, and understanding things like triggers and rituals, trauma, shame cycles, all the, all the beneath the surface things, even, even things like brain chemistry, that information, that education, you know, like I said, I'm an A student. So I just loved finally having the information and not having to figure it out for myself. And then the practices, you know, being able to go to meetings take inventories, make phone calls. That was like the hardest thing for me to do was to reach out every day and talk with someone. Even if I had nothing to confess, just I had lived so much of my life just kind of trying to do it myself that that, that was a hard thing for me, but it was so important. Rigorous honesty, um, abstinence. You know, I, I did a a 90-day abstinence uh, agreement with my wife that lasted a little longer than 90 days. But but for the first time, probably since I was 12 years old, I, I went, you know, mm. 90 days, 100 days without an orgasm. Mm. And I didn't die. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and I realized, you know, it was possible. It helped me kind of detox uh, from not just the behaviors, but but some of the brain chemistry associated with all of that. I learned, you know, step work. I mean, I had practical things that I could do besides just try not to do that. And um, and, and all of that was great. Uh, maybe one of the, my favorite things about it was I learned how to strengthen my relationship with my own father. Uh, and one of the great gifts in all of this to me was uh, when I was 50, and he was 70, we went on a cross-country train trip together, just the two of us. Hmm. And um, he was ready for it. I was ready for it. And we just uh, we just talked openly and candidly. I mean, we talked more about sex on that trip in that week than in my whole life put together <laughs> before that. And uh, uh, we've got the greatest pictures and the greatest memories of that time together. Um, and... Uh, the other thing is it's just been so helpful for my wife to be able to get the support that she needed through all of this to to understand you know that this is not her problem that mm. this is my problem it affects her deeply and she needs support for that and to work through it 
but uh, we were talking even just this last week about about how it was hard for her to believe that she didn't contribute to this problem and she needed to have women in her life who could draw that boundary for her and then say, Brian's Mm -hmm. struggle with pornography and masturbation has nothing to do with you. And, uh, and for her to be able to accept that and, and, and learn from that and grow through it. Um, that was just so helpful to both of us. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like she was able to get the help that she needed as well. Mm -hmm. Yep. along the way and that um those words right there i know are so beneficial for women to hear mm-hmm. because naturally those are the questions maybe not all but most i think question that mm-hmm. and how you know if they contributed what could they do differently and right. uh, that's so vital and um so so uh Helpful, and I'm so excited that we have women in the battle. We have uh, an answer to that uh, that can help women who mm-hmm. who are going through that betrayal that yep. they feel. And it is betrayal to mm-hmm. hear that your husband struggles with pornography or has had an affair, especially, you know, that it's, uh, it's traumatic. So what would you say some of the challenges were along the way that you encountered? I think the biggest challenge for me, again, was this idea that it wouldn't be solved quickly and um, that it's a journey. Uh, In fact, I didn't even believe that at first. Um, I thought, well, with this education, you know, I'll be able to lick this. I'll be able to get free. You know, I'll, I'll be able to leave this behind and never struggle with this again. And... And I had about 18 months of sobriety at the front end uh, that kind of reinforced that idea that this is behind me now. And uh, when I first began to slip and relapse after those 18 months, that was a really difficult moment for me. Mm-hmm. I I hit it again like I always did because that's what I do. And um, And after two or three weeks of realizing... I was relapsing now. I wasn't just slipping. And I the only way to stop it is what I'd been learning, which is to tell the truth right. and ask for help. And so um, so I, I learned to do that. And, and a few months later, I had another slip, and I learned to do it a little more quickly. Uh, I had good support for it. I learned how to do it. My wife had support for when it was necessary. So, And if, sometimes we would even do it in the presence of a counselor. Uh, so, so we learned kind of how to do that, uh, but then we moved. We moved to St. Louis, and I had joined a group, but uh, we didn't have the same support network. We didn't have the same counselor, mm-hmm. uh, and um, I had a good stretch of sobriety. But as I began to slip, I learned again to hide it. To um, to actually kind of made a bargain with God, uh, which is not necessarily a very wise thing to do, but. But it kind of went along these lines. Uh, mm-hmm. God, I'm, I'm not going to volunteer this truth about my slips this time. Um, it's so much better than it was. It's, it's not that bad. I'm sure I can stop. Just help me stop. And, um, and I, I was in groups. I was even facilitating groups. And uh, again, my behavior was better than it was. But when I slipped, I wouldn't tell. And it became a pattern to me that, again, 
uh, led to this dark place where this hidden part of my life was still a part of what was going on. Again, I, I was afraid to tell anybody. Again, afraid for my job. Here I am leading groups and helping groups, and I have this as part of my story. I can't be honest about the fact that I'm struggling again. Um, mm. And, you know, I was telling men, <laughs> you know, phrases like, you know, there's full amnesty for full disclosure, that that last 10% of the truth is what you have to tell if you truly want to be free. And I was hiding the last 10% yeah. of the truth while I was saying that. And um, I knew that the only way out of this cycle was 100% of the truth. But I was still looking and hoping for another way. Uh, I was still wrestling with God. I was still wrestling with this idea that you have to be good to be loved, and this isn't good, so let's just hide this. Mm -hmm. And the good news is that God loved me too much to let me keep hiding. Uh, my wife found me watching something inappropriate a couple of years ago, and and she told me that she didn't expect perfection, but she wanted the truth about how I was really doing in my recovery which is what someone who's had good help and support would know to say. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and I, I met with you, um, talked it through. Um, I shared it with the group that I was leading. And uh, uh, Michael, this is just so fascinating to me. One of the benefits of continuing to go to your group, even when you aren't being completely honest, mm -hmm. is that when you can't hide anymore, you know what to do. Yeah. And you've already got the support group in place to do it. Mm. You know, I didn't want to face the potential shame, the fear of coming clean again. But what really was happening was I was missing the opportunity to experience grace, the opportunity to experience kindness. You know, one of the things I struggle with the most when I fall or when others are angry with me is a deep sense of shame, of humiliation. Uh, I expect the worst. Mm -hmm. I mean, I understand, you know, this truth about grace, that grace is loving people when they least expect it and they least deserve it. But uh, I try to give that to others, but I don't expect it in return. And God, this time around, a couple of years ago, began to just surprise me with waves of grace starting with you, but also uh, my wife and group members and others, that as I shared, it's like God knew exactly what I needed. I needed this double dose, this almost vaccination of grace, if we mm. want to talk about it hmm. in pandemic terms, uh, that would help with the shame that I was expecting. And it just seemed like every time I confessed and apologized, I received understanding and love and support and people cheering me on yeah. for being honest. And, and it's like something flipped or switched in me, Michael. This, this whole idea of I don't have to be good to be loved. I just have to be real. Mm, yeah. I just have to be the real me. And I can experience this kind of love and grace. And it really opened up a new dimension of freedom for me. I, I don't think... I would have even accepted your offer to join Living Truth if I hadn't had this shift in my own heart a couple of years ago to where when I'm tempted to hide again, I have this little argument in my mind. And, and like hands down, the winning phrase is 
no, I'm not going to hide. I'd rather be free. Yeah. I'm not going to hide. I'd rather be free. And and that yeah. seems to be like my mantra. No, I'm not going to hide. I'd rather be free. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Thank you so much for your honesty. And, um, yeah, I remember that meeting a couple of years ago. It's, um, so interesting what you were talking about, the, um, you know, the grace and the mercy that we give to other people, but we just don't think that we're going to get it, Mm -hmm. you know, that we're going to receive it. I think I was just thinking of how so many of us relate to God in that same way. Mm -hmm. We believe that he is going to do for others, but not for us, Mm -hmm. that he uh, gives that kind of grace and forgiveness to others, but not for us. And, you know, I think that, to some degree, you know, I've heard that so many times, so many different stories, myself included, that um, that sounds like it's just part of the human experience of mm-hmm. learning, learning how to trust, trust those relationships, trust the process. So it's a faith journey, isn't yeah, it? It, is. it really is. Yep. And uh, the fear of all of the loss. Um, I was just having a conversation the other, the other day when someone reminded me, Fear, the acronym false evidence appearing real, right? Yeah. How much of your fears actually happened, huh. yeah. Brian? Yeah. Very few of them. Actually, the opposite of my fears happened mm-hmm. most of the time. I would say that, you know, that Karen being upset and hurt and broken, that was a fear that was true. Right. Um, but the idea that she wouldn't be able to recover from it, yeah, that our marriage wouldn't recover from it. That was not true. Right. And so uh, the idea that I would lose my job uh, in my case was not true. I know for some men they did. Uh, but even yeah. for those men that I've talked with, the fear that my life is over, the fear that I'll never recover uh, if I lose my job, those fears proved not to be true. Yeah. Um, and so even if part of the fears come true, the most... Um, Fearful yeah. of the fears usually don't. It's not to the extreme that yes. we think it will be. Yep. And um, and yeah, I know plenty of stories where a lot of those things did happen and did come true, mm-hmm. but it wasn't as bad. It it seems like it never is. Yeah. As bad as we think it will be mm-hmm. when we come completely clean. Yes. Well, that's part of the key. You yeah. know, if we tell part of the story and part of the truth, uh, I don't know if. If I don't know that that's the economy here, I don't know if that's yeah. the exchange and 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 the grace, you know, God's love and grace is so interesting, and and that economy all by itself just doesn't make sense. It really is an upside down mm-hmm. kingdom to yeah. me because the more sin, the more grace and more love yeah. we get. The so we sin more, we get even more grace and forgiveness and love, and. That just doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. sometimes, but that's the truth, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, But it is more difficult as human beings being in relationship when we hurt each other, Mm -hmm. you know, it is harder to give that grace and forgiveness when you're hurting and when you're in pain. Mm -hmm. So having people surround you is so vital. So vital. And so in your story, that's exactly the case with your starting with your pastor, um, Mm -hmm. your boss (laughs) there and risking everything and coming clean. 
And so I think that it really is a process. So your story is that process playing out Mm -hmm. of learning and understanding and exercising faith and having to receive the grace and forgiveness over and over again. Right. The lie that you have to be good to um, be loved, it's, it comes off in layers, doesn't yeah, it? And it chunks. Yep. You can't just hit it with a hammer and make it go away mm-hmm. immediately. It's yep. not the way that it works. Yep. But life is a journey. Yes, right? it is. So it is. being where you are now in that journey, what's life and recovery like? for you right now? I would say that I still experience triggers and temptations, but I no longer pursue them. Uh, and in terms of my marriage, there there's an incredible healing and peace that has taken place there. My wife and I are allies on this journey now, and I certainly wouldn't have thought that uh, before this journey began. Uh, I am grateful of uh, my, my gratitude uh, meter has really peaked in all of this. Uh, I, uh, I have a friend that says uh, when he checks in, I'm a grateful, recovering sexual struggler and a beloved son of God. <laughs> and uh, that is more and more how I'm able to see myself. Uh, I came across this quote. And it's really powerful, and I use it when I'm coaching men, and I use it even in my own life. I am my father's beloved son on my worst day, in my worst thought, during my worst temptation. Uh, Realizing again that my Heavenly Father, He loves me, He will always be there for me, and He's not ashamed of me. Uh, You know, growing up in church, I'd always heard, and I believed, that God would use my giftedness and because I had very visible gifts of intelligence and musicianship, all that sort of stuff, I'd, I assumed that was what he was going to use. That's what that meant in my life. But I've told you before, I never imagined how God would use my brokenness. Right. The things that I was most ashamed of, the things that I didn't want anyone to know, the things that I feared would ruin my life if anyone found out. At this point in my life, those are the things that God has used to teach me about His grace and His love. And they are the things that I really want to spend the rest of my life passing along to others. Hmm. Yes. Yes. I love that. And you said the... um gratitude. Um, how did you put it? The gratitude meter or yeah. the gratitude. Um, but the amount of gratitude that we have, that is, um, so important, you mm-hmm. know? And so, yeah, I think the more that we receive that grace and forgiveness and love, the more we experience that gratitude coming to God with a really grateful heart mm-hmm. and coming to others with the same, you know, yeah. really, Build so many bridges, mm-hmm. doesn't it? It does. So, so if you were to, um, if you had a word for men listening today, okay, um, perhaps especially for any ministry professionals, pastors, uh, missionaries, and so on who are struggling and still hiding, um, certainly addressing them. But uh, as a whole, for for the men out there. 
who struggle, what would you tell them? Uh, the thing that got me started on this journey was this simple phrase, tell the truth and ask for help. Tell the truth and ask for help. Uh, you're not alone. You might think you are, but you're not. Uh, there are root causes for your struggle that are not your fault. <laughs> you are unconditionally loved by a heavenly father that cares deeply about you and you have other men who care about you, uh, who care for you and who want to be with you, that, that there is hope and there is healing, but not in the hiding. Uh, the healing is in bringing all of this into the light, just like we're promised in First John. Um, the blood of Christ purifies us from all sin as we confess God is faithful and he's fair. Uh, there's hope, there's healing, and, you know, that that last word, there's freedom. There's freedom for your soul. You do not have to live a life chained uh, to this problem, to this struggle. You can be free. And uh, like, like the phrase that I tell myself over and over again, uh, you don't have to hide. You can be free. Mm -hmm. You can be free. Wouldn't you rather be free? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Would you rather be honest or would you rather be free? Yeah. And those are the choices, aren't they? Yeah. Um, I mean, continue hiding or be free. Yes. Right. <laughs> yes. Rather. You know what I meant. Right? I knew what you meant. <laughs> yes. Would you rather continue hiding or would you rather be honest and be free? Right. And uh, it really does boil down to that. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, one more question that I was thinking of being with your journey and uh, how you experienced your wife along this journey and, mm -hmm. and throughout that process. Now, I know in our listening audience, there's women, wives who um, maybe this wouldn't apply to. And there's, there's because there's so many different stories and uh, the idea of reconciliation is not on the table right. for, for so many. Uh, and it's tragic. But I was just thinking about... Um, if you could give a word to wives, because I know there are women who would be curious to know, like, what, um, uh, what, what would you say to wives and thinking about your, how you experienced your wife hmm. through the process of coming clean and talking to her and then telling her about a, about a relapse, you know, because yeah. it, 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 she did, she did help the story, um, and, and help you along, mm -hmm. didn't she? Yeah. I think, I mean, I'd, I'd love to have her be able to answer this question and maybe part of how I'm answering it is how I am imagining she might answer it. But mm -hmm. the, um, the most important key is getting the right support for yourself. Um, just like, you know, those of us who are struggling sexually can't recover from this alone. Uh, those who've been affected by it can't recover alone either. And so... Uh, it can be the kind of thing that you don't want to tell anybody. Um, but at the same time, if you find the right people, the safe people to share this part of your life with, uh, you can get the support that you need. You can get the information, even the education that you need to be able to separate out, you know, all of the things you are thinking from what's actually true. 
And, and once you've got that support, you can begin to heal. You can begin to grow. You can begin to forgive from a healthy place. Not because you feel like you don't have a choice, but because you realize you do. Mm-hmm. And, um, and whether your marriage survives or not, um, you can experience the grace of God for you on your journey um, in a way that is real, is life-changing and freeing. Um, even though your struggle is different, the hope is the same, to be free, mm-hmm. uh, to mm-hmm. be free of, of the pain, the grief, the shame, whatever mm-hmm. it is that you're experiencing as a result of all of this. And, and in terms of, of, you know, couples being able to get back together, the, you know, our coaching was, I have to do my work. She has to do her work. And then there's couple work, but yeah. that's a third thing yeah. uh, that to try to fix the couple before I did my work or before Karen did her work um, would be perhaps even counterproductive. Uh, But to really trust that process, trust people who've been through it, who know what's going on Mm. and can guide you through it, you know, get the right help and trust the help. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Very good advice. And so, of course, one of the resources uh, that they can plug into would be living-truth.org. And men in the battle for men 18 and older who struggle or have struggled with unwanted sexual behavior and women in the battle. Uh, they can find, uh, if they scroll down out there on the home page, women in the battle is for women like Brian, your wife, mm-hmm. uh, getting the help that they need. Uh, so you can get into, hit that website and uh, use the contact form and uh, somebody will get back in touch with you. If you're in that situation where you uh, find yourself in need of that help. So, and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any of the episodes. And we would love for you to give us a rating um, so that more people uh, can get access to this kind of information. Brian, thanks so much for being on this show. Really appreciate your honesty and candor. And this is a real blessing for people to hear out there in our listening audience. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you, Michael. So good to be here. So good to have you as part of my life and be part of the Living Truth team. Mm, Yes. Amen.